Hello, 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 and welcome once again, or for the first time, to Black Magic Treehouse. My name is Jose, and I am but one of your co-hosts. I'm Eric. I'm the other one. Hey, there he is. Yeah, it's it's hard to find each other up here in the treehouse. The shadows are quite nebulous, and they always seem to be shifting, so sometimes Eric and I lose track of each other, even when we're just on opposite sides of our homey little fireplace here. So please, please uh, work with us, and hopefully we don't lose track of you, our esteemed guests. And you're probably wondering at this point, where am I, what's happened, and why won't you let me leave? So if you don't know, by benefit of our previous episodes, this podcast is for monster babies. And when we say that, we mean those of you who grew up in those bygone decades of the 80s, the 90s, and even the early aughts, and grew up loving creepy stuff. We are looking back at the creepy stuff that was made for kids back in the day, as well as today on occasion. And what we usually do is we take a look at one item in particular every episode, and we we have a doozy for you today. Are, are you ready for the doozy today, Eric? I am so ready for doozies any time of day. That's the kind of spirit that it takes to keep this podcast running, so we are going to steam ahead with with that. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're doing great. Well, I will say... We're not recording video, but I do want the listeners to know that Jose is wearing a shirt that makes me want to go bowling. Yes, it's uh, not one that I wear frequently, mind you, but uh, every now and then I feel the need, especially these days. Uh, I live in Florida, by the way, and uh, when I'm not in the treehouse, of course, the treehouse is located in no time or space known to man. Uh, but when I'm not in the treehouse, I live in Florida and we're recording this in March, and I got some news for you folks, even though this is a very kind of nice time of the year in other parts of the continental United States, it's fairly indistinguishable from summer down here in Florida for the most part. Uh, and I don't know, just also getting into my 30s, I've kind of fallen into this idea that, uh, you know, every now and then I like to mix it up. I don't like to wear graphic tees all day, every day, if possible. You know, I'm a father of three. So every now and then I have to don one of these bad boys. They're light, they're airy, they've got buttons down the middle of them. And, uh, you know, sometimes just all those elements combine to say today is a bowling shirt day. Yeah, it's, well, I just watched um, Buffalo 66. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that and between oh. that and the big Lebowski, I think there was like a real push in the 90s to make bowling the new Americana sport. Like maybe people were thinking baseball was too mm. corporate or something. So there's a lot of weird mythological, <laughs> like small town mythology bowling movies from that era. I don't know if it stuck. Uh, also, Kingpin, the Flintstones. Yep. That's all. <laughs> that's right. Well, wow, that's a basis of a, yeah, that's all. It was just those four. Uh, but no, interesting. I never noticed that before. Um, I guess when you think about it, bowling is really one of the 
oldest sports around. This is not what our podcast is about, but things like this tend to happen where somebody brings up a fun fact and it's like, well, let's talk about that for the next 15 minutes. Uh, we'll get back to what the actual premise of the show is. Um, but no, just with what you said about baseball being corporate and there being a mythic quality to bowling, I will just say that that put me in mind of uh, Rip Van Winkle. Are you familiar the, with the story? The guy who fell asleep? Is that the one? Yeah, the guy who fell asleep. Uh, the story. Yeah, the story by Washington Irving. When he wakes up, he comes upon a group of dwarves, I guess, dwarves, gnomes, whatever, and they're playing like nine pins. They're they're playing a bowling game, and I think they force him to play. It almost kind of reads like a Goosebumps book. It's like kid falls asleep in the woods, wakes up, and these small people besiege him and tell him, and and task him with doing strange things, and then he wakes up and everything's okay. Um, I actually don't know if that's how Rip Van Winkle uh, ends, but um, yeah, I remember reading it in one of those great illustrated classics books. It was like it is. Legend of Sleepy Hollow. We got in our Rip reference for the episode. Brought it back. Brought it back. Because yeah, we're talking about those fusty, dusty, creepy books that used to haunt the shelves of your school library or book fair. Um and the one that I have today is not quite as vintage as some of the other things we talked about in previous episodes, um, but it is something that I think is definitely in both of our wheelhouses uh, based on uh, previous conversations, let's say. If you've listened to previous episodes, you will know that Eric and I keep the titles that we are discussing a secret from each other. So right now, I and you, because when you, the listener, see this episode, it will have the title of the book up there in bold font. But at the moment of this recording, Eric has no idea what book we are talking about. Isn't that just the freakiest thing you've ever heard? Are you asking me or the listener? Both. I, I can speak for myself and say I'm terrified. <laughs> well, I will say that this is a book. You know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I am just, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send Eric a link to the cover image. And that should have popped up in this chat. So he's going to open that up and he's going to let us know what we're looking at. Oh, the complete works of the Colleen Hoover. <sighs> That's right. You've heard it here first. <laughs> I've never read Colleen Hoover. I'm just making fun of her because everybody else does. And I don't want to be left out. Yeah. Can't do that on the internet. Was this a show at some point? This Should I, should I say what the title is? I don't know why I'm talking around it. Well, it's funny because I realized that I didn't announce it and that probably would have made the most sense. But you know what? Since you got it in your hands now, regale us, Eric. What book are we talking about today? Well, it looks like we're talking about Michael Tatelbaum's The Scary States of America, 50 Weird and Terrifying Stories Based on True Events. I'm assuming the 50 means that there's one for every state. Am I correct about that? There is one, one for every state, baby. You got it right. All right. So, so based, yeah, I was going to say based on the title, 
and the cover image. Let, let us know a little bit about the cover image because, you know, this will be on our Instagram and it'll be on our website. But uh, give us a real-time observation of what the heck you're looking at with your eyeballs right now. Well, I don't know if this is a mean thing to say, but it looks like the cover of a self-published book um, with some <laughs> photoshopped. Uh, there's a map of the United States with... Um, what do you call that? Like when they have the skulls, exploded skulls, I think they call it, when they like take them apart and put them right, on yeah. pins. The U.S. kind of looks like that. All the states are fleeing apart. Um, and then there are various uh, photoshopped images layered on top of it to suggest geographical areas where particular incidents might have occurred, such as um, there's a, uh, well, what would we normally call a gray, but it's colored green head of an alien hovering over Florida. And then there's also two mm -hmm. potentially unrelated UFOs at the top of the image in the sky over the whole country. Uh, there's a house with blood splattered siding or more of a shed, maybe a little cottage. Um, there's, I can't tell. There's something winged next to the wolf head over here. Due to the resolution of the image, I can't quite tell what that is. I believe it is meant to be a vampire bat. Oh, yes. Okay, because the wing is... Okay. So the wings are stretched yeah, behind... Oh, I see it now. Okay. I was thinking that these bat wings were separate. Well, it is weird because it's the only image that's formatted like that. Everything else is kind of an isolated head basically but the bat for some reason gets its wings because i guess nobody would be able to recognize it for whatever it was unless it had the bat wings yeah i thought that these giant vampire bat ears were separate wings of like an owl or something and then yeah. there's uh down near texas or new mexico there's a, a cow head with x's over its eyes which is classically <laughs> implies that it is no longer living um, and then next to him in, I guess, Louisiana, there's a picture of some Victorian looking scary kids, uh, black and white, of course. And then, Natch. gosh, if I knew my geography better, I could tell you somewhere up in the New England area, generally, there is a lizard. And the one that I'm most interested to hear the story about is the head of a gorilla, just a regular looking cocoa ass gorilla. Yeah, well, uh, one of the entries is Coco's Kitten. How did you guess? Is it really? No. Oh. <laughs> it's, Co it's Coco, right, who does sign language? Yeah, yeah. And there's a, a much-remembered uh, picture book, I guess you would call it, from like the late 70s or 80s that folks remember from their childhood called Coco's Kitten, uh, which is oh. apparently true story of yeah yeah coco's bond with a a little kitten um that is a reference that was not in my wheelhouse well sorry well don't don't be talking about things you don't know th about then eric okay you can't bring up coco and not expect me to bring up coco's kitten so let's try not to be hipsters right look now. i've seen congo <laughs> amy want green drop drink <laughs> That's something that my wife and I reference uh, about once a month. I used to have the Burger King watch. Oh, nice. 
I didn't know. I didn't. Well, uh, I did not know for one that Burger King did like toys, uh, like McDonald's Happy Meals. But I guess it only stands to reason that they would. Um, and two, yeah, did not know that they hopped on the Congo merchandising bandwagon back in the day. Yeah, because it was going to be like the next Jurassic Park, you know. It had Michael Crichton's name over yeah. the title. Oh, naturally, and it definitely uh, that investment definitely panned out, as uh, we've come to know. I think though this gorilla head is just supposed to be a basic stand-in for all your Sasquatches and skunk apes, um, but it just so happens to just look like a plain <laughs> ass, ape. yeah, plain ass gorilla. Yep, skunk ape. That's our resident Sasquatch down here in good old Florida. Oh, is that the case? Okay. Yep, yep. Did you ever yep. listen to um, the podcast Bigfoot Collectors Club? Nope. And didn't know that any such thing existed. It's a really good podcast. And they have, every time they have a guest, they ask them a list of, um, I don't remember if it's like real or bullshit or whatever. They ask a, a list of things of the guest uh, like, do you believe in this? Like, are you open to believing this or you think it's bullshit? And they always ask about Skunk Ape. And then there's a little hidden mini game because nobody knows who Skunk Ape is. If they say, what is Skunk Ape? That opens a little uh, mini game where they show them the photo of Skunk Ape and uh, explain the legend to them. So that's the only reason I've ever heard of him before. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember happening upon a mention of Skunk Ape in this almanac that i had as a kid it was not guinness it was not um ripley's believe it or not it, it, it was just like a, a a very basic like it had black and white illustrations um and it was the weirdest thing because it had like different sections well i guess in an almanac fashion <laughs> uh it, it just had different sections on different topics like two or three pages dedicated to this subject one of them was superheroes i remember reading that one a lot um it mentioned this really wacky superhero that was apparently from the philippines and it said oh you know contrary to popular depictions of superheroes this one is known for his uh stark ugliness like he was like balding and had a big nose and a pot belly uh, and i don't remember his name but i remember reading that and just like having my little fifth grade mind rocked like wow i'm learning about the world right now look at me um but it also had a section on cryptids uh and i read that one quite a bit and that's when i first learned about skunk ape was in that little almanac i've but living in florida i mean you kind of hear about them, especially if you're into this stuff. You, you hear about them fairly often. Um, it, I guess people think it's cute um, in a way that maybe they, they, with kind of a touch of whimsy or, you know, uh, elbowing kind of going, going around in a way that people don't do for Bigfoot because he's taken a little bit more seriously. I guess Skunk Ape is seen as kind of like, you know, the dollar store, <laughs> the dollar store version, and everybody kind of knows it's bullshit, but we all kind of go buy into it anyway, because it's good for tourism. And, you know, it's just fun to be like, hey, we got a Bigfoot too. He lives out in the Everglades. His name's Skunk Ape because he stinks like hell. <laughs> so, you know, I guess people just have fun with him. But yeah, that's, that's good old Skunk Ape there. Is he in the um, 
50, uh, sorry, the scariest states of America. Does he make an appearance? He is. And I think that's what is supposed to be depicted on the cover there. Um, here's the interesting thing about this book. There are several interesting things about this book that we will be getting into very shortly. Uh, but as you said, there is a, a story related to each of the 50 states in the table of contents, they are just listed by the state's name. But when you turn to each entry, it has the state's name, but it also has the name of the story or figure that is being discussed in that entry. So what I wanted to do for today is actually something a bit different than what we've been doing in the past few episodes. The past few episodes, we've been given kind of like general overviews of the books. Um, we've just been talking about well we talked about two chapter books so far one in rl stein one in christopher pike and then uh, in an episode i did we were talking about essentially uh, an easy reader uh, beginning reader book in a dark dark room so we kind of recap that in a, a pretty thorough and quick fashion but with this one i wanted to do something different i haven't actually read this book in its entirety i actually did a youtube video uh on this book uh doing what we're going to be doing now which is a real-time read aloud i wanted us to pick a random entry from this book and read it aloud for the first time uh i will not i will not have any prior knowledge or experience of this particular entry. So as I read it, we are both going to be hearing it for the first time. Um, so that's one of the interesting things about this book. What do you think about that uh, that approach? Are you up to it? I'm pretty excited because I just found a 50 states randomizer to eliminate any bias on the part of the hosts. Because my inclination would be to say Illinois, which was my home state, but then I was like, well, I don't want to hijack this entire mm. thing with just states that I care about. <laughs> All right. And, and when I did the YouTube video, I don't remember what I did. I think I, I think I just looked at the table of contents and I'm like, let me pick one of the most boring states out there. And I think it was Idaho. Um, and yeah, there was quite an experience. I won't get into it here in this episode, but uh, I was, I was quite, um, I was taken for quite a turn in that video. So I'm excited to see if our selection tonight pans out the same way. Um, but let me tell you the other interesting thing about this book here. Well, first, let me do this. I'm going to flip this baby over and I'm going to read the back cover copy so I can really give you a, a feel and a taste for what kinds of things we're going to be getting into. The cover does a pretty good job of it. I think I called it a clip art special when I did my YouTube video. Uh, but let me go ahead and read this tasty little preview on the back side. So it goes, Aliens, ghosts, and monsters haunt the pages of this eerie trip around the scary states of America. With Jason Spector, the nation's unofficial collector of all things paranormal as your guide, Meet the girl in Illinois who can start fires with her mind. The skunk ape of Florida, which knocks victims flat with its stench. And the mischievous shadow people of Arkansas. 
You may find yourself checking over your shoulder for the dangerous Jersey Devil or the extraterrestrials who visit Washington State and take human organs as souvenirs. You might even feel sorry for the wailing ghost of a teenage girl trapped forever in an Oregon lighthouse. Some of these visitors from other worlds don't mean to hurt anyone, and some of them do. Warning! All of these stories are based on true events. Are you ready to face the terror in your state? Wow, what are the odds that both Illinois and Florida get name-checked on the back? <laughs> I know, it's like reunited and it feels so good. You got fire starters, I got skunk apes. Man, a movie we can make with those two crazy kids. Yeah, I didn't know that we had a... Uh, I was trying to think of or predict what it would be for Illinois. Um, and uh, yeah, a pyrokinetic girl was not on the top of my list. Yeah, every nobody has pyrokinetic girl on the top of their list until it's too late. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> I want to return to something that I mentioned early, that the back cover copy mentioned early, uh, that was a source of great amusement for me in the youtube video so we have a guide an unofficial or an official guide i was gonna ask about him <laughs> yes so there is actually before the contents proper there is a section called meet jason specter and i did not read that and, yeah jason specter um which is totally a name that i would have come up for myself or a character who is copied uh who was uh that is definitely the name of a character that i would have named who is modeled after all the cool parts of myself and none of the uncool parts jason specter um so there is a section here which is basically like a prologue called meet jason specter that basically explains how he came into contact with the paranormal and uh developed this proclivity for becoming the nation's unofficial collector of all things paranormal. Uh, so before we actually choose our state, I think I kind of wanted to give Mr. Spectre his due and read this section, uh, if you're willing to humor me. You got to respect the Spectre. I also don't believe <laughs> that this is a real person, by the way. What? Or at the very Re least. Eric, really? At the very least. I'm picturing a guy in like giant hot topic shorts with like the chains all around him and like peroxide blonde <laughs> hair and he changed his name to jason specter from like you know fred hall or something banal like that did you say bread hall well i said fred but oh fred hall <laughs> well if my name was bread hall i probably want to change my name too <laughs> uh, but uh yeah that was the looming suspicion i had in uh, the video i did i'm like mm, i don't know jason specter really um but let's 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 let jason do the talking here and see how we feel afterwards so here we are, meet Jason Spector. You're probably wondering how an ordinary kid like me came to be the official collector of all things weird and scary in the USA. With all the strange and, I, I don't know how I feel about people abbreviating USA, 
like that, especially somebody named Jason Spector. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to think everything he does is pretentious because his name is Jason Spector. With all the strange and unexplained stuff happening out there, you'd think we'd have a whole army of investigators trying to uncover the truth. <laughs> oh boy. But unless they're keeping a really low profile, I haven't seen any teams of Ghostbusters or psychic detectives prowling my neighborhood. So I gave myself the job after a terrifying experience. Convince me that someone needs to be keeping an eye on the paranormal in, in this country. This story, like the others, this story, like the others in this book, is true. Mm, is it? Yeah, already having doubts. Already having doubts. So, before we get into monsters and ghosts and UFOs, let's talk about something truly frightening: the fourth grade. <laughs> Bullies, atomic wedgies, stolen lunch money. It was a real house of horrors. You know, like all that stuff that you see on TV that doesn't really happen that much. That was uh, that was my insertion there. Back to Jason. Did I mention bullies? Charlie and Steve were the cool kids, and they thought I was a total geek. Maybe it was my obsession with comic books and collecting baseball cards and watching every sci-fi show on TV. At nine years old, I wasn't too worried about my image. Now that I'm 12, I think I've wised up a little, though I still like all that stuff. Which is to say that he probably has those Hot Topic shorts and bleach blonde hair now. Anyway, Charlie and Steve ended up in my gym class, and man, did I hate gym class. Some steroid pump extra... <laughs> what 50-year-old adult is writing this? <laughs> exactly. What... 50-year-old TV screenwriter. Let's see. Michael Teitelbaum, what are what were your previous credits? Uh okay, quick quick uh, tangent. Michael Teitelbaum is the author of more than 200 books for children. I believe it. His fiction includes books based on characters ranging from Spider-Man and Superman to Garfield and Kermit the Frog. <laughs> His nonfiction includes books on the history of radio and television and on the Baseball Hall of Fame. Michael has always had an interest in the paranormal, just like Jason Spector, my insertion, despite a rather normal childhood in Brooklyn, New York. These days, Michael and his wife, oh, Shilea, split their time between New York City and their as yet unhaunted 170-year-old farmhouse in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. So that's Michael Teitelbaum, a.k.a. Jason Spector. <laughs> Some steroid pump ex-jock former Marine commanding us to climb the rope, shoot the ball, lift the weight. They had the nerve to call that guy a teacher. Very interesting phrasing. Mr. Rockwell was his name. He loved to shout at me. Spector, he would yell. Get off your rear and give me 20, boy. So I was reading a comic book when I was supposed to be doing push-ups. What about reading being exercised for your brain? And of course, he treated Charlie and Steve like future Olympic champions. They were good at every sport. After Rockwell was done yelling at me, they'd take their turn in the locker room. Hey, shrimp, where's the rest of you? Night. <laughs> Night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. 
do you need to see the rest of him? Where do, what is, is that an insult? I'm not sure. Nice legs, Spectre. Did you swallow a couple of groom, broomsticks? They are on their A game. So yeah, sports are not the only good thing they're good at. So I was so, so I was small for my age. Sue me. One day I was the last to finish getting dressed after gym, or so I thought. As I tied my shoes, Charlie and Steve suddenly appeared on either side of me. What's the matter, Spectre? Charlie cackled. Forget how to dress yourself? Steve laughed, his goony laugh. Well, I'm not lucky enough to have Steve here to dress me, like you, I replied, realizing it was a mistake as the words left my mouth. It's fun being a wisecracker. Like we said, what 50-year-old? But you, you have to make sure you have an easy escape route, and I didn't. Charlie grabbed me by the front of my shirt and slammed me into a bank of lockers. Pain shot down my back. Then Steve punched me in the stomach and I left, and I felt like I was going to barf. You think you're funny, huh, shrimp? Charlie snarled, shoving me back into the line of metal doors. How'd you like it if I smacked your head into one of these lockers? You think that would be funny? Hey, Charlie, maybe you'd like to see Locker 615, Steve said, giggling. Up close. Good idea, said Charlie. A sick smile spread across his stupid face. Six smiles and stupid faces seems like it'd be a good album title. I froze in terror. Every kid in the school knew about Locker 615. 615, that's 11, 12, no. Nope. not 13. See, I do this sometimes when there are numbers involved, especially in something like this. Nope, not 13. I always add them up just to see if somebody's, if the author's being cute. Not this time, folks. You got away this time, Michael Teitelbaum. That locker had some kind of evil history attached to it. I didn't really know what it was or how far back it went. Everyone says the school covered it up pretty fast. They even replaced all the lockers in the boys' locker room, hoping that people would forget. Oh, this does seem like a 13th floor kind of thing now. Anyway. But something bad still happened to every kid who used 615. It was cursed. One kid fell off the rope in gym and broke his leg on the first day he used 615. Another choked in the school cafeteria, also on the day he was assigned 615. Mr. Rockwell won't admit it but he now goes out of his way not to give 615 any, to anyone. Even parents get a little superstitious when kids start getting injured at school. <laughs> I started to feel sick to my stomach. I tried to run, but didn't get far. Charlie and Steve each grabbed one of my arms. I desperately struggled to break free. Leave me alone, I shrieked in a higher voice than I would have liked. They lifted me off the ground. I kicked my feet wildly, hitting nothing but air as I twisted and squirmed. They hustled me toward Locker 615. <laughs> you guys are idiots, you know, I screamed. <laughs> it's never too late. Yeah, Jason, I'm... Spectre, this is your time to make yourself sound more clever than you were in the moment. Because you're writing yeah, it exactly. down. <laughs> I know, right? And then I said, you guys sure are doo-doo heads. <laughs> yeah, that's making it into the book. You're not so funny now, are you, shrimp? Charlie yelled back. Mr. Rockwell, I bellowed, hoping the gym teacher was still around. He wasn't. <laughs> Realizing I couldn't free myself, I hoped they would only slam me against the locker door, or maybe just shove my head inside. No such luck. 
Charlie wrapped me in a vice-like bear hug while Steve grabbed the handle of Locker 615. After a couple of unsuccessful yanks, he jerked the door open. Instantly, a horrible, stale smell, as if someone had left a dead animal in there, made my eyes water. I started coughing. Charlie and Steve squeezed me inside the locker and slammed the door. Everything went dark. I heard the sound of the lock snapping shut, and then it got weirdly quiet. Let me out, I screamed. Then I coughed uncontrollably as the foul stench burned my throat. Let me out of here, all italics. Panic now mixed with the nausea. It just seems like a William Shatner kind of phrasing. Panic now mixed with the nausea. I was squeezed in so tight I could barely move an inch. I felt my throat closing as I breathed the stale, damp air. Shifting my position a little, I tried banging my shoulder into the side of the locker. Somebody let me out of here. They won't come, a faint voice said. It was as if the person were standing right next to me. Then I heard someone inhale a tortured, wheezing breath. <gasps> I tried to turn my head to the right, but ended up smashing my cheek into the side of the locker. Who said that, I demanded. Is somebody out there? Nobody's there, the same strained voice replied. Only it came from behind me now. Then I heard another painful gasp of air. <gasps> What's going on, I thought. This locker barely fits me, let alone two people. I've only been in here for a second, but I must be totally losing my mind. They never come, the tormented voice gasped from somewhere inside the locker, followed by a raspy struggle for breath. I was suddenly filled with exhaustion, totally drained of strength, uh, me too, and unable Jason. to move. And it, <laughs> just reading this, it had only been a minute, but it felt as if it had been if I had been trapped in the locker for a week. What's happening to me? My throat began to tighten. I tried to breathe, but had to fight to suck air into my lungs. I can't breathe. I'm going to die. Then my eyes snapped open, and I found myself staring at a boy about my age. The boy was being dragged toward a locker, this locker, by a kid twice his size. I watched helplessly as the boy was shoved into the locker. Just before the door slammed, something small tumbled from his pocket. No, he screamed. Or was I the one screaming? My inhaler, the boy and I shrieked together as if he had taken over my body and was controlling my voice. I felt his panic shoot through my veins. Then everything went dark again because I was wedged in so tightly I'd lost feeling in my feet and arms. I didn't have the energy to try to yell, bang the door or change position. My wheezing was worsening and I was losing strength. I'm so tired. I'm so cold. I couldn't tell if the voice was my own or his. It didn't matter. I felt like I was dying. A small hand closed around my throat. The last bits of life seeped from my body. Brian Coles, the faint voice whispered as the phantom tightened its grip. Don't forget about me. Somewhere far away, I heard the sharp snap of metal being cut. The light flooded the locker. Spectre, cried a man's voice as two strong hands gripped my shoulders and pulled me from the stinking dark prison. How in God's name did you get in there? As Mr. Rockwell set me down on the bench, I looked back into the open locker and spotted the boy I had seen inside tumbling to the floor. He lay there motionless. Spectre, are you all right? Rockwell's voice was far away. 
I reached down for the dead boy. When I touched his lifeless body, images flooded my brain like a super speed slideshow. The dead boy surrounded by kids in gym uniforms, a man and a woman standing over him crying, two policemen leading away the bigger boy who had locked the kid in the locker. I took my hand off the boy's body and the images stopped. I felt my strength returning and I could breathe normally again. I sat up, then noticed something on the floor next to the lock to locker 615. Reaching down to pick it up, I was shocked to discover that it was an inhaler. I slipped it into my pocket. I had to tell Rockwell about Charlie and Steve. I didn't want them to have the chance to abuse anyone else. They were suspended from school. I was afraid they'd try to get me back, but then I realized I was more afraid of what had occurred inside the locker. Instead of letting my fear take over, I was determined to figure out what had happened to me. I googled Brian Coles, but found only a music reviewer and a computer engineer. Then I checked out the back issue database of our local newspaper. Bingo. Brian Coles was a student at my school about 10 years ago. Some jerk shoved him into a locker and locked him in. The kid didn't know that Brian had asthma, and I'm sure it really would have changed his actions if he had. My insertion. Brian had a serious attack and didn't have his inhaler. He was trapped in that locker for hours. When they finally opened it, Brian was dead. I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up as I turned the inhaler I had picked up over and over in my hands. I still keep it as a kind of talisman to remind me of the day when I learned that the world we see every day is just the surface of all that's out there. So that's how it all started for me. I was only nine. No matter how many times I replayed the events of that day in my head, I always came up with the same answer. I had met a ghost. I started reading everything I could about the paranormal. I became positively obsessed. As I began checking out websites and blogs, I realized this stuff happens to lots of people all over the country. But we needed a central hub, some place where kids like me could report their encounters and meet others who might have had similar experiences. So I put up my website, www.scarystatesofamerica.com, and started collecting stories. People from all over the country contact me now, telling me the stuff that's happened to them. Some have turned to me for help. Others have helped me, pointing me to paranormal hotspots. I've even been lucky enough to visit a few. Now I'm kind of a clearinghouse for the weird. I've made some friends doing this. Mostly other bloggers also obsessed with the paranormal. Most I've never met in person. So far, this prologue is a good introduction to digital citizenship and internet safety. So far, <laughs> how much more is there? <laughs> two paragraphs, two paragraphs. I figured this book would be another way to get the word out. I've picked one tale I uncovered in each state in the USA, or as I've started calling it, the scary states of America. These are my 50 favorites. Some are so scary that they'll keep you up at night. And some are just sick. Others will creep you out. But I've also learned that the paranormal world is not always a horrible place. Some spirits are actually kind, and some aliens have even saved lives. That's why I keep searching and collecting, learning all I can about the realm of the unexplained. Welcome to my world, Jason Spector. Oh my God. What do you think of that? 
Oh, man. Okay, so I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) When I first heard the name Jason Spector, I thought that it was going to be like some Zach Baggins, is it Baggins or Baggins type, who was like, you know, an expert on the paranormal adult that we would have reason to consult for this book. And then we found out it was a kid. And I thought, okay, so this will be like two paragraphs about, I don't even know what I thought at that point. Like as some kid who has a special ESP, like one of those kids on, um, you know, paranormal, my child or whatever those reality shows are. Yeah. Or maybe an, is that the conceit? Yeah. Or an Alex Mack. (laughs) I didn't realize that it was going to be an entire story about how he solved uh, manslaughter via I didn't know it was going to be the entire pilot of the Jason Spector Disney Plus series <laughs> yeah uh, oh man neither did I so I don't know feeling mostly good that I read that but um, I feel like it's I think it's interesting and almost kind of I think it's so I think the idea is very cute it kind of posits that this fake kid because this this is a fake kid, people, um, named Jason Spector. It kind of sets him up to be a Kolchak, a Carl Kolchak for our post-millennium readers out there. Uh, someone who is their age, who, like Carl Kolchak, is, in Jason's words, a bit of a wisecracker. Uh, and just kind of collects... A, a molder, if you will. Yeah, a molder, if you will. Um, that's that's your <laughs> reference. If you want a point. slightly more contemporary reference. Well, there's the dichotomy right there between Eric and myself uh, once again, because I'm definitely entrenched in the past, and I'm not nearly as well-versed, even in things uh, as quote-unquote contemporary as X-Files. Uh, Eric is the X-Files fan, and I am woefully naive when it comes to that show. Yeah, it's only it was only on the air 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, give me a break. So what is the conceit of this book? Well... I don't understand. Who are we supposed to be being told these stories from? And why is Michael Teitelbaum involved if it's this kid's point of view and his journeys? Are we supposed to think that this is... This really harms the credibility of the book for me, I have to say. <laughs> I know. Um, and that's really... You're really breaking Michael Teitelbaum's heart right now. Um, him oh, hearing that. Well, you know what? Now. I guess I'm okay with that. <laughs> that's just one more thing I'll have to live with. I'm starting to wonder if all these like these books that he wrote is like it's Spider Man and Superman that I've written for, and then you find out that it's some like <laughs> self published fan fiction or something, and it's like these companies don't care enough to track me down and stop me because I'm not selling any copies. But technically, I've written. Them. <laughs> They're that terrible. <laughs> I I have sat there and written Kermit the Frog's autobiography from our transcripted interviews. I forgot Kermit the Frog was one of them. Oh my God. <laughs> Sp- speaking of damaging credibility, um, <laughs> hey, it's not it's not easy being green. Um, so the idea is, and I do recall this from when I read one of these entries for the YouTube video, is that it, it has uh, each entry has a little bit, a little bit of framing from Jason Spector, like, hey, this is an email that I got from Amy in Alabama. Here's her story, and then 
the protagonist, so to speak, of that particular entry takes over, or you know, they're it's he's getting it secondhand, thirdhand, like oh, this happened to my cousin. Uh, so that's basically the tenor of the actual entries themselves. So as he said, he's a collector of the weird. One story from each of the fifty states. Uh, like I said, I actually don't remember what the one I read before was. I want to say it was Idaho. I could find out pretty easily. But in any case, let's turn now to your wonderful 50 state randomizer and see which one of these bad boys we're going to read. Okay, I'm going to try the screen share so we can both watch these results come in live. Oh, okay. Uh, but I don't really know how to use it, so I'm just going to do this. All right, there it is. Uh, let me ask though, what can I ask what year this book was written? Oh, that's a great question. I meant to mention that earlier especially when Jason was talking about websites and blogs. This has a copyright date of 2007. Okay, that sounds about right. So this would have been, yeah, this would have been sophomore year of high school for me. All right, it's random state time. Are you ready? All right, spin the wheel. Oh, it's got music. Oh, it is a wheel. Oh, look at that. Makes it fun. Oh, and now All I have right. to press spin it again. That's very redundant. Okay. Right. Wheels lighting up. These are thin pieces of pie. Yes, it is. North Dakota. <laughs> North Dakota. Would not have been the first one that I picked. Nope, 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 nope. All right. North Dakota. So that is on page 268. This is a pretty hefty tome, I must say. I can see that. Yeah definitely now let me ask you this as i flip to the page 2007 or even just during your own period of high school middle school would this have been a book that you would have picked up and read and if so what what do you what do you think you would have thought about it as a kid um ooh. That's a good question. Uh, I think at the time that I would have been really interested in this, I would have been young enough to be intimidated by how big it is, maybe. Well, the nice thing about it is that, you know, you can kind of pick through it. You don't have to read it straight through. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I kind of lost interest because I used to be really into, you know, any book from the library about the Loch Ness Monster or the Bermuda Triangle uh, or, you know, ancient aliens or whatever I would get. But I feel like by the time I was like six or seven, I was kind of over that in a weird way. Really? Well, that's surprising for two reasons. One, that, well, no, I guess it's really surprising. It's surprising for the to me that you were into that stuff prior to the age of six and seven years old. I think that that subject matter was a little too heady for me at the time. Well, I mean, these were like very kid oriented book, like picture books, basically like uh, okay. Bigfoot man, myth or monster, you know? Yeah. Or... Still, I don't know. I feel like I would have, I feel like I would have been too frightened by that stuff just because there was that quotient of the, of the possible to it. You know, I, I felt much safer with, you know, the likes of Dracula and Frankenstein and, figures that I knew were completely fictional. Um, I, I feel like 
at that age, something like this, uh, even uh, a book, you know, kind of more geared to that age range would have kind of spooked me a little bit. Yeah, I think a book like this, I probably would have looked at it and thought like, oh, it's all true. It's probably boring. Oh, yeah. Jason Spector's a person. I'm writing his email address down right now so that I can reach out to him. Jason Spector. Was there ever an age when I would have believed this was a real kid? Man. Yeah, that's a great question too, right? I guess when you're a certain age, you do just kind of take things for granted. Like when an adult tells you, you're like, well, I've never heard of anybody who acts or talked this way, but it's a big world. So Yeah, a lot of room for possibilities. Speaking of being a big world, I am on the page for North Dakota. North Dakota. North Dakota, here we come. We got our bus tickets ready, and we are heading over to you. The title for North Dakota's entry is Wake Up, You're Dead. All right. Which I think you will agree has a very R.L. Stein flavor to it. Yeah, oh, very much so. <laughs> so I wonder if the, the story itself will have a kind of a jocular tone to it as well. But so does the idea of kids getting shoved into lockers is also. Yeah. No offense to anybody in the past 10 years who's been shoved into a locker. I just don't think that's a thing bullies do anymore. No, definitely not by 2007. I feel like we moved on to, I I feel like that's when cyberbullying was becoming popular. So yeah, thank God. I I know, right? Phew, no more locker stuffing. Thank God it helped the world move on from. (laughs) We were finally able to give up the ghosts. From kids in backwards hats. (laughs) We're moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, So. Now everybody can bully each other. Not just the designated big kids. Bullying is open enterprise now. Free enterprise. So wake up your dead. So uh, something else about these entries that I forgot to mention among the many interesting quirks of this book is that Jason Spector has two little sections before the story proper. And they're just like a paragraph. Uh, So they're relating to the state The first one is, it's called What I Learned in History Class. So like what is most popularly known about the state in question. Um, And then there's a paragraph for a story you won't find in your textbook, which is, um, I can't remember from my video if it's just like something totally different from the story proper that follows. Like here's something else crazy about um, this state. And actually, I think that is the case because I feel like for Idaho, it was something like, oh, did you know this is going to be like everybody's go to uh, road curiosity stereotype, but it's the only one that comes to my mind. Like, oh, they have the biggest, uh, biggest, they have the world's biggest ball made of rubber bands. Um, that's something you won't find in your history textbook about Idaho. I don't remember if that's what it actually was, but that's kind of the tenor of that weird little section. So what you probably know about the state and here's something random that you probably don't know about the state. Well, I'll tell you what I know about North Dakota. Nothing. It's North of South Dakota. (laughs) There you go. And South Dakota, I think South Dakota is where, uh, not Stonehenge. What's that thing called with all the presidents on it? 
<laughs> Mount Rushmore. Uh, is that in South Dakota? Yeah, uh, yes. I want to say yes. Wow, we're really showing. So North Dakota is north of Mount Rushmore. Our public schooling is really having its moment to shine right now, especially relating to geography. Uh, so what I learned in history class, what is known today as Fargo, North Dakota, whoops, used to be called Centralia. In the 1870s, Northern Pacific Railroad chose to honor William Fargo, the railroad's director and financial backer, as well as a partner in the Wells Fargo Express Company by naming the town after him. Mm, feel a little silly not making the Fargo connection, but here we are. I always forget Fargo is North Dakota. I think that movie takes place in like Minnesota or something. Yeah, yeah, or Wisconsin, something. Uh, so that's what I learned in history class, a story you won't find in your textbook about North Dakota out of body experience. <laughs> this is a great opener out of body experiences are amazing. That checks out. I did not learn about that. The thought that you can travel around the block or around the world while never leaving your bedroom intrigues me. And I posted that thought one week on my blog. Richard Johns of Fargo, North Dakota, wrote me with this story. Okay, so I guess it is related. His journey was the type that usually features a one-way ticket. Oh, my. Eh? Eh, yeah. And I'm going to show you this right now. Um, this was something else I featured in the video. Um, the page, so at the bottom of the page where the page number is and where they break up the sections where you sometimes get, like, the little column of ass, the little row of asterisks or like a line or something. In this book, they got. Oh, two little googly eyes. Spooky eyes. That tells you that this is serious stuff we're dealing with here. This is paranormal nitroglycerin. Don't take it with a light heart. The eyes of Pepe the Frog. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, so. This is Wake Up Your Dead from North Dakota, Richard Johns of North Dakota. It was supposed to be the best day of my life. I had been accepted into medical school and was getting ready to begin my journey toward realizing my, my lifelong dream of becoming a doctor. That was not what I thought would follow best day of my life. I was thinking wedding. I was thinking birthday. I was thinking wedding and birthday before being accepted into medical school. But, you know, different folks, different strokes. Then, about a week before I was to head off to school, I got what I initially thought was a really bad chest cold. Just my luck, I said to my mom as I stopped my packing to try to get some rest. Have some soup, she said, placing a tray next to my bed. You'll be just fine by the time you have to leave. She was wrong. As the days passed, I got progressively worse. The chest cold developed into pneumonia, and just three days before I was supposed to leave, I ended up in the hospital. I felt horrible and could barely breathe, but I insisted on leaving. Ever since I was a child, I had dreamed of becoming a doctor. Here was my chance, and I had to get to school. <laughs> Nothing, not even pneumonia, was going to stop me. I feel like Richard might not have been familiar with... Uh, the concept of how long one needs to go to medical school to become a doctor, <laughs> you know, like the the frame of mind he's in. Like, if I don't, 
catch this flight. I'll never become a doctor. It's like, dude, you have at least the next five to 10 years to worry about this physician heal thyself. But he's like, no, this is my window. If I don't make it now, I'll never be a doctor. If I miss the first day, the next nine years will all be nothing. <laughs> they go over all the important stuff at orientation. <laughs> I tried to get out of the hospital bed, but crashed to the floor, too weak to stand. The nurses lifted me back into bed, and this time I stayed there. I couldn't even lift my hand to wipe the sweat from my brow, let alone try getting up again. Later that night, I could hear my mom speaking gently to me. I couldn't make out what she was saying, but it sounded like she was crying and praying. I tried to tell her that I was burning up with fever and for her to get someone to help me, but I was too weak to speak. My doctor came in as one of the nurses was checking my temperature. Thankfully, he made it the first day of school, so he was in good hands. I heard the nurse say, Doctor, his temperature has soared to 106.5 the beat <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'm an idiot is that a radio station yeah one i just made up my mother's crying grew louder i felt trapped in a dizzying haze the room took on a strange appearance as my vision blurred everything started melting away i heard the familiar clicking and banging sounds of an mri machine but had no sense of being inside its confining tube you know it's amazing I'm guessing this just from this entry, so maybe I'm assuming too much, but I feel like if we were to read across all the entries in this book, we would find that all of these people messaging from various parts of the United States uh, sounded just like Michael Teitelbaum and wrote just like him. Are you also saying there's no Richard Johns? <laughs> It goes all the way to the top. I'm not sure anybody in this book is real, if I may be so bold. And then, much to my surprise, I woke up. I felt alert. My symptoms were gone. My head was clear and my vision was normal. Now, he hadn't had a day in medical school yet, but I think that even Richard Johns knows that something is up right now. Sitting up in my hospital bed, I realized I was alone in the room. I thought my mother might be at the cafeteria getting some coffee. I stepped out of the bed and easily kept my balance. Whatever they did, it worked, I said, stretching my arms over my head. I feel great. Then I glanced at a calendar on the wall. Oh, no, I... <laughs> <laughs> this stuff all happens during near-death experiences. You don't recall everybody recounting the calendars on the wall and the position of the sun on their, their sundials. It's just such a odd detail for something that's supposed to have happened. What within our lifetimes? Yeah, exactly. Oh, glance at the calendar on the wall. Oh no. I thought I've got to leave for medical school tomorrow morning. Then I looked over at the clock, 6:55 PM. I better get out of here now. I rushed for the door and then realized that I was wearing a hospital gown. I'm not going to get far in this getup, I thought. Once again, what 50-year-old wrote this book? <laughs> Better find my clothes. When you said, looked at the calendar at the wall, I was picturing that, like, 
the montage in movies where like months, you know, months of the calendar will just fly <laughs> superimposed across the screen. And he was going to realize it was like, you know, half a year later or something. So I'm a little disappointed that it's only like the day before medical school. I know. Or you hear the French narrator from SpongeBob chime in two years <laughs> later. <laughs> I looked around the room for my things, but the closet was empty, as were all the drawers in the dresser, which had held my personal belongings. Where did all my stuff go? I wondered. And where are my clothes? I searched every corner of the room, then finally thought to look under the bed. I turned to crouch, but froze in fear as I noticed a man lying there. How can someone be there? I said aloud. I just got out of that bed. I would love to see somebody say that out loud in this particular situation. How can someone be there? I just got out of that bed. Followed by, a, you know, one of those doing. <laughs> the figure in the bed was lying perfectly still with his eyes closed. While he looked familiar, I didn't bother to investigate. <laughs> Stupid dead guy taking up my bed, stealing my clothes. I'm not looking any closer. <laughs> okay, here we go. While he looked familiar, I didn't bother to investigate. School began the next day, and I had a lot to do if I was going to get started on my dream. <laughs> Just worry about the dream you're in right now, Richard. Ignoring the fact that I was wearing a hospital gown, I dashed into the hallway. Frustration swept through me as I searched for anyone who could help me. Excuse me, I shouted at a nurse. Where are my clothes? I need my clothes. I have to get out of here. The nurse ignored me and kept walking. An orderly arrived with fresh sheets for the bed. Hey, I shouted desperately, my anger growing. I need some clothes. But the orderly also ignored me. He actually brushed right past me. Forget this. Maybe mom has my things, I said. I hurried down the stairs and out onto the street with my open hospital gown flapping behind me. <laughs> Showing my butt to the world. <laughs> yeah, my dead ass for all to see. This was no time for modesty. <laughs> I want this to be a situation where he starts to think he's dead, but everybody can actually see him. So he's just acting like an idiot and people are like, I'm going to ignore this crazy person. <laughs> I wanted to get the heck out of there. Stepping into traffic, I tried to wave down a car or a cab, anything that could get me home. No one stopped. Frustrated to the point of rage, I tore back into the hospital. I would make them tell me where my clothes were and then have them call me a cab. I felt fine now. The illness had passed and I was not going to miss the start of medical school. Bare ass be damned. Reaching my room, I peered in and saw that the man in my bed was gone. In fact, the entire bed was gone. Glancing to my right, I saw the orderly pushing the bed down the hall. I hurried after it. Whoa. I slipped into the elevator beside the orderly and the bed. Who is he? I asked, recalling the feeling that I somehow knew the man. Is he okay? Man, what a shame, the orderly muttered, shaking his head. This one was so young. I love it when people say thoughts out loud for the benefit of characters and fictional stories. So he's not okay? I asked. What's wrong with him? 
The elevator door slid open and I followed as the orderly wheeled the bed through a set of double doors, walking slowly down the empty, featureless hallway. Unnecessary details. I reached the doors just as they closed, revealing a sign on the front. Morgue, I muttered to myself. Why are they taking that guy to the morgue? I burst through the doors and found myself in a cold, dimly lit room. Rows of dead bodies filled the space. There was no sign of the orderly or any other living person. Just me and a room full of corpses lying on dull metal tables covered in white sheets. Terrified, I ran down the row of tables, tearing off the sheets, revealing diseased, injured, mutilated bodies. I saw children and old people, all beyond any hope of recovery. Wow, bummer. At the end of the first row, I tore the sheet off a body and recognized the face. It was the man who had been in my room, the man who looked so familiar. As I stared down at the dead man's face, the corpse opened its eyes, and I knew why the man looked so familiar to me. I was looking at my own face, peering into my own eyes. So, yeah, I guess this was maybe before, you know, mobile phones and taking photos with mobile phones was so ubiquitous so that, you know, you'd have a handful of pictures of yourself with your eyes closed because I can't really think of any other reason why it would take seeing himself open his eyes to recognize himself. It's like um, a great superhero disguise where it's just like, eyes closed, man. Nobody knows who this fellow is. Who is he? Where did he come from? We'll never see those irises. Well, I guess that's basically how Superman works. You know, he opens his eyes like, oh, man, Clark, it's you. The light in the room grew brighter, and I squeezed my eyes shut against the glare. When I opened them, I was lying on a cold metal table in the morgue, looking up at a doctor. In one hand, the doctor held a syringe. In the other, he grasped a piece of paper. What happened? I asked. I could feel my heart pounding as if it was going to explode from my chest. Young man, you were dead, the doctor reported, his own face pale and covered with sweat. I, I signed your death certificate. Wow, immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's an expedited process right there. We just press them out here. <laughs> he showed me the piece of paper he held in his hands. I then read the details of my own death. Cause of death, heart failure. Time of death, 6.57 p.m. The date was today's date. <laughs> I looked at the calendar on the wall to make sure. <laughs> the French narrator informed me that it was indeed today. The orderly who brought you down saw your eyes open, the doctor continued. He called me and I injected adrenaline directly into your heart. I can't explain what happened. I tried to comprehend what I had just experienced. How could I have watched my own dead body being wheeled down the hall? Had I left my body when it died? And what had brought me back? Adrenaline. I like the fact that the doctor like I says, said, I can't explain what happened after he initiated procedures to make this happen. <laughs> There's simply no reason. There's no rhyme or reason for it. Tosses syringe into the distance. I, I remained in the hospital for a few more days before fully recovering from my fever. Although I, arrived, although I arrived at middle school a bit late, I was happy to have gotten there at all. And believe me, I swore that when I became a doctor, 
I would wait a good long time before <laughs> signing anyone's death certificate. Ah, I was wondering how this was going to tie together. Good takeaway, Richard Johns. So that is an entry from the Scary States of America. Are you scared? I am scared into a state oh, of fear. <laughs> into a state of America. <laughs> <laughs> that too um yeah that really just felt like a stress dream more than anything else i know right yeah, like I'm... the dreams that i have where i'm like at one job and i'm like i think i'm supposed to be at a different job right now i'm missing medical school i have dreams like those all the time i still have dreams about being late to school when i was going to college like uh, a campus uh, uh, several miles south from me. Uh, I, I have constant dreams that I'm late to being there. Like I'm in town and it's like three towns over and I'm like, oh my, what am I doing? What am I still doing in town? I got to get to school. Um, and I also have stress dreams. These are very stereotypical um, stress dreams of being asked to fill in for a show that I have not prepared for. And just kind of going out there and doing my best. Yeah, just going out on stage and tap dancing like Garfield. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was, I gotta say, I was a little disappointed by that one. Near death experiences and all the out of body stuff. Um, I don't know. They always kind of struck me as kind of boring. I guess maybe they're more interesting for like when those segments would come on unsolved mysteries you know that was a program that i would watch with my grandmother <sighs> me too what a weird program to watch with your grandmother because it was always terrifying yeah it was terrifying but you know she was into mysteries and um you know like true stories especially so that was just her bag um you know my, my grandfather was into like the the horror movies and you know she thought that stuff was trash but she would she would sit through a whole afternoon slot of unsolved mysteries with me and yeah some of them were pretty damn terrifying but um yeah anytime those would come on and be like meh you know i think as a kid it just you know you're it, the idea of your own mortality is just not registering with you at all you know, where are the ghosts or, you know, where are the other otherworldly beings? Like, that's more my bag. So I was a little disappointed that we got outer body experiences, near-death experiences. But uh, it's, it was in its own way an entertaining and amusing story. I will give it that. I think I would have liked it better if, since it's all made up anyway, <laughs> um, I think I would have liked it better if he finally got to medical school after all that and the... Uh, I don't know, whoever it would be who allows you on campus is like, um, well, yeah, we have you in the system, but you, your death certificate has been signed. So we, we can't let you, we don't let dead people take classes here. And he would be like, no, my dream. Yeah. Right. Uh, and from that day forward, that is why I now refer to myself as Dr. Death, AKA Richard Johns. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Death. And whenever I tell people I'm Dr. Death, they're always like, oh my God, do you murder people like an angel of death? Uh, no, it's just because there was this mistake. It's a clerical error. It's really a funny story. 
<laughs> let me here here let me get my friend jason on the phone he'll tell you the whole thing <laughs> yeah this 12 year old that i commiserate with <laughs> right um so let me ask you this after hearing that prologue and hearing that one entry do you think that uh now you know the eric of the now is this a book that you would be remotely interested in investigating more thoroughly um you may read me more entries out of it if you like i'm not gonna go pick it up <laughs> no no well yeah uh perhaps in a future episode i think we've done enough of that for one night um but yeah perhaps i will maybe we'll do it again in the future if you enjoyed this uh well not only the book itself if you want to hear more from the scary states of america i don't think either michael Teitelbaum or jason specter will uh charge us with you know any kind of copyright infringement or have any legal proceedings held against us uh if we continue to read from this book um but in any case if you like the idea of these real-time read-alouds or want to hear more specifically from scary states of america in a future episode please do reach out to us if you just want to maybe hear more from these paranormal type books you know quote unquote true accounts if you want some more of that to balance uh, some of the other content we talk about, let us know. Uh, you can reach us at our email address, which is blackmagictreehousepod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. And P-O-D. it's the same. You, you know me. It's the same for our Instagram ac- account, uh, blackmagictreehousepod. And then we uh, also redundantly perhaps have a web address, which is blackmagictreehouse.com. We'd also love to hear, I think, Eric will agree with me on this, we'd love to hear if any of you maybe have your own scary States of America stories that maybe occurred when you yourself were a child. And one other thing you may want to reach out to us about is if you have nagging questions passages that you remember from certain books that you can't put titles to, cover images that you can't put an author to, reach out to to us with those. We'd love to try to identify them in future episodes. Is there anything else that you would like to say about the Scary States of America for tonight, Eric? I'm so glad you asked. Um, It only just occurred to me that that story could have taken place anywhere and had nothing to do with north dakota specifically so that's a bit of a cheat there michael Um, that's yeah i guess to be fair jason via michael michael via jason uh did inform us that you know these are just stories that he's collected from people who happen to live in these states in these geographical areas But let me tell you the title of this book, Jose. This book is called The Scary States of America. I don't think it's unreasonable of me to assume from that that these particular happenings are tied explicitly to the state. In which, Like, they could have called it anything else. They could have called it 50 Scary Stories from Across America. Do you know what I mean? No, I do. And I didn't mean to say in saying the other thing that I totally get that uh, impression. I I think you are probably in the majority 
Yeah, they just took a story from some other random state and were like, uh, what are we not filled yet? Oh, North Dakota. Uh, let's shove this one in there. Do they have medical schools in North Dakota? I assume so. They, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's just the luck of the draw. Like we said, some states get the gorilla lizard people. Other states get death. There's only one state where you can die in, apparently. Yeah, that was a close call. I was this close to moving to North Dakota. Glad that I made the choice to hang out with Skunk Ape in the Everglades instead. Well, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this real-time read-aloud and this trip to the scary states of America with our friends Michael Teitelbaum and Jason Spector. The scary states of America. It even seems like that should be like a play on something. Fairies? This is a rather slipshod production, I feel, Jose. I'm sorry to insult your favorite book of all time. but I know. I, I mean, you could tell from the cover, though, that they were really giving it their all. Let me pitch this to you. Okay. The you frighted states of America. Oh, right. You frighted states of America. Because at least you know what that's a play on, as opposed to the scary states of America, (sighs) which is is just nothing. It's just inserting a word for a different word in a phrase that's not a play on it at all. That sounds nothing like it. (sighs) You've got a point there. I'm angry. Let's wrap this up. Okay. Jason Spector will always live in our hearts. And Jason, if you're out there listening to this, we would love it for you to come up to the treehouse sometime for a visit, and maybe you'll have a new story to share with us here on the show. Yeah, I come come on, I guess. <laughs> After we made fun of your childhood <laughs> bullying trauma. <laughs> we will see you all next time.